You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show Tuesday edition. This is usually the day we do the two-minute drill. We go division by division and try to answer as many questions as possible and cover all the divisions in the NFL. Might not have time to hit every division today, but we will hit some of your mailbag questions. But there's a lot to get to. More games from this weekend that we didn't cover yesterday with such a big schedule. And... Monday Night Football, the new 17-game schedule, some no-name quarterbacks playing in Week 17, a lot to touch on on today's program. This football season continues to be as different as uh, any season I have ever covered, but Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers, because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football, watching. At BD Peacock is where you can find me on Twitter, Matt Williamson, at Williamson NFL. He is a must-follow. Matt, let's run through some of these Sunday games that we didn't finish first, and then there's some other news around the league, and and things are getting a little bit weirder for our Week 17 that's coming up quick, and we're not going to have a Friday show this week, so we'll probably start dipping into some of those games uh, tomorrow, and we'll have Chris Raybon once again to finish up the regular season with his six-pack of picks on Thursday's program. Let's go to the Panthers and the Washington football team. We didn't cover that one yesterday, and it was the Panthers coming up with their fifth win of the season, improving to 5-10, and ten, with Washington falling to 6-9, and nine, still fighting for that NFC East title, trying to get into the playoffs. They have a shot now in Week 17, still 20-13 uh, Panthers in this one. Yeah, over, I mean, my takeaway with with Carolina is much more of a macro one where I don't think Teddy's the guy, but he, he can bridge the water, so to speak. Uh, funny one, you know, until the, the guy nice. is found. And maybe with the way this draft is shaken up, maybe they end up getting one of these quarterback prospects in the first round. I mean, I think that's a possibility, or maybe they have to move around to do it. Um, Trey Lance comes to mind, you know, maybe he falls to 10, 12 because he can sit behind Bridgewater for a year or something like that. And, but overall ownership coach direction of the team, I think is very, very strong and they're still playing extremely hard. They haven't won a lot of games lately, but they have weapons and they've played every, most of their losses have been very tight. I, I think there's a lot to build off here. And I keep saying, in 2022, I bet they win the the uh, the South. You know, Drew Brees will be gone. Ryan will be gone. Brady will be gone. Like, it sets up for a nice pathway for Carolina. And this is just another step in that process. Um, obviously, the talk in Washington is Dwayne Haskins was terrible and is a, a plague on the team. So he's been cut. And we got Taylor Heineke. And he actually wasn't terrible. But... Man, I mean, the, the football team's secondary was poor. Their offense was poor. I mean, they're right at the bottom of the league in uh, yards per yards per play on offense. This has been a bad offense, no matter who the quarterback's been all year. Yeah, Taylor Heineke, that's another name that uh, I want to talk about later with some of the quarterbacks. Potentially, we could see in Week 17 names you thought you wouldn't hear that much about or anything about, or maybe you're hearing for the first time here in 2020. But yeah, that's the big takeaway from this game is Haskins getting cut and you know, you get the feeling that maybe he would have been cut already if they didn't need him to play this game if Alex Smith was healthy. 
uh, with everything he's gone through. Uh, and and we had questioned earlier in the season. It was like, well, you know, why is why did they jump away from Haskins so quickly? And and I think it's pretty clear. Ron Rivera probably knew a lot of this stuff about Haskins, and the writing was on the wall very early on. And maybe he knew within five minutes of meeting the young guys, like, yeah, this guy's yeah. not committed. This is not my guy. And so um, it's easy to see now why they they went away from Haskins so quickly in Washington early on in the Ron Rivera regime, and now he's completely cut, and we'll see what happens with his career. But, yeah, just some, some big mistakes, and, you know, it's it's on him. It's on Dwayne Haskins. The uh, the other team there, the Carolina Panthers, and we don't want to spend too much time on this game, but, yeah, you're right. We talked earlier in the season, actually, about, okay, 2022 Super Bowl, Carolina Panthers and Miami Dolphins. Well, the Miami Dolphins are, are ramping this thing up. They're like, we're going, we're going this year, right? We're going to the playoffs right now. That's what they're trying to do. But uh, I, the direction they're going is is the right direction. Teddy Bridgewater, I don't think, is the guy guy, but he's a nice stopgap for now. And, yeah, I don't think you can take quarterback off the board for them in round one of the NFL draft for, uh, for Teddy Bridgewater. No. And, and they still have some more talent to build on that team. But, again, right direction. So kudos to uh, yeah, Carolina agree, Panthers agree. and Matt Rule. We have the Dallas Cowboys who kind of having a little bit of a surge here at the end of the season, and they're not out of the out of it now for the NFC East at six and nine going into week 17. And they beat up on those Eagles 37, 17 with some really solid offensive output. I mean, their wide receivers are going off. Of course you have um, Amari Cooper, but Michael Gallup had the big game in this one, the pair of touchdown receptions, 121 yards receiving and CD lamb doing things both as receiver and a runner. Um, I mean, their offense is dynamic if they can figure the, the defensive side of the ball out. Yeah. Dallas's defense is a problem. Um, but I think they have a pretty good chance to go to the playoffs. I mean, if they beat the Giants and Washington loses to the Eagles, two very possible things. I mean, I'm probably going to pick Dallas over the Giants. They're playing better. We get the Cowboys in the postseason. And frankly, that might be the team from the East I want to see the most. Um, you mentioned the, the defense. Yeah, it's not so great. I mean, it's not as hideous as it was to start the year, but it's still very problematic. But you and I were talking off the air, and I'm sure we'll discuss it this week or even today, some of the quarterbacks that are going to be playing this past week and in Week 17, there's a lot of teams that would kill to start Andy Dalton right now. I mean, at least he's a <laughs> professional low-end starter with some serious weapons, and Zeke played his best game in a while. Give, give Dallas some credit. Peaking at the right time in, in this season, and Andy Dalton might be just good enough. And yeah, you mentioned some of the names that are playing out there. Dalton uh, is someone you'd rather have playing than uh, probably Taylor, Taylor Heineke or Chris Strebler or some of these other names that potentially we can yeah. see for teams trying to get into the playoffs. Uh, how about the Seahawks? Really doing a number on the Rams. It was the defense that's impressive there in Seattle with this one, holding the Rams to three field goals, 20-9. to nine. Seattle now clinching the NFC West. Yeah, you're right. The Seattle defense is legit. It was a laughing stock for a while. And Seattle's offense and Wilson have fallen off of late, but the defense is picking them up and they're figuring out ways to win. The Rams worry me a little bit. Jared Goff worries me a little bit. I mean, I've called him a fair weather quarterback, and I mean that in many ways that, first of all, the weather. I, mean, I don't think he handles bad weather very well. You think he'd go to Green Bay and beat them in a, a playoff game this year? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the conditions, the pocket really need to be optimal for him. They're not pushing the ball down the field. He didn't play well, and then he breaks his thumb, and he's not going to play this upcoming week. I, I still think the Rams have a really good chance to beat the Cardinals next week, but... Man, I mean, they also have running back problems right now in L.A. Like, they're not peaking at the right time. They are definitely not peaking 
at the right time. And I, I thought it was really funny seeing Jamal Adams after that Seahawks win and clinching the West, and he's lighting up a cigar, and I was like, wait, dude, you didn't win the Super Bowl, but for him, he's like, dude, this is awesome. Playoffs, winning the division? I don't know what this feels like. So that was really funny seeing him be uh, super psyched about getting into the playoffs, and uh, he's yeah. been a big boost to that Seattle defense and you know, Carlos Dunlap, and they're definitely, that defense playing better, but you know what's strange about Seattle is they were all offense with an awful defense to start the season, but they were winning games. They wanted a crazy win streak to start. Their defense started playing better, then they started losing a couple of games. So hopefully for them, they get that right mix going into the playoffs, and I think that's the thought there, and potentially they could still get the two seed in the NFC uh, so they're they're locked into either the two or three seed right now. That's either them in New Orleans with the, the Packers looking like they're going to be the one seed in the NFC. And that's a tough place to go through Lambeau Field. You think about Drew Brees going through Lambeau. That's important for the Packers who beat up on the Titans Sunday night, 40 to 14. This was one I did not expect. I thought I would see at least a closer game. But man, the Packers doing a number on their snowy home field on Tennessee. They really did. I mean, that was the Devonte. We mentioned yesterday some of the massive fantasy games in the Super Bowl of, of fantasy, and Devonte was uh, right there with those. You know, some of the best receivers, Mike Evans, and some of the other great ones. I thought Rodgers basically just solidified his MVP status with mm-hmm. that game. I, I think he's had a better year than Mahomes. I mean, and, and I, you know, uh, he's had one bad game. I'm a I'm much more of a believer in Green Bay now than I was. I like seeing A.J. Dillon get out there, but I don't know if they're even going to need him to that degree. The defense is playing better. They're a little bit aggressive on defense now, too. Jari Alexander and Savage. You see those guys jumping routes and trying to create big plays. And even guys like Rashawn Gary that are getting better. And there's obviously talent on that side of the ball. I don't want to kill Tennessee for this game, but they just keep showing what they are. I mean, when... They get down quick in a game like this, and they can't play their style. And it's not all about Henry. It's as much about the offensive line, too. I mean, they just have run-blocking offensive linemen. And when they know they have to protect, you know, they're just playing left-handed. And they they, they did a couple good things, but the, the game script really hurt them, and it just shows how vulnerable they are if they get down two scores. And it made me also think, you know, Tennessee certainly didn't handle the snow and the conditions as well as Green Bay did. And you look at Derrick Henry, who's from Florida and played in Bama, and A.J. Brown played at Old Miss, and, you know, Ryan Tannehill's a Texas A&M guy. Like, how many bad weather games have they played? And I'm sure that's true <laughs> for a lot of teams. Right, yeah, and such an odd draft for the Packers this year, but now you're starting to see, okay, maybe that's what they wanted this 250-pound running back for is snowy games in December and in January. So uh, it was nice to see A.J. Dillon have his first breakout game and his first touchdowns in the NFL and a pair of those touchdowns, some longer runs, and they rode him 21 carries for 124 yards on the ground, 150. 50 yards almost for Devontae Adams. Three touchdowns there. Probably some fantasy owners. And and again, I want to hear from you guys. Did you have a fantasy team with someone like Devontae Adams and Stephon Diggs? And were you able to overcome the crazy Friday performance and the six touchdowns from Alvin Kamara? I, I bet there was some wild matchups there that ended Monday night with Stephon Diggs going off for 40 points for your fantasy team. What a What a fun championship week that was in week 16 with some really huge numbers put out there for some players but Packers playing well one seed in the NFC got to go through Lambeau and I agree Aaron Rodgers MVP of the league in 2020 I think so Monday night football next we'll talk about the potential 17 game NFL schedule going forward coming up Peacock and Williamson
A lot to be decided as the NFL regular season is rapidly coming to a close. College football bowl season. Get some action on some of this action. There is only one place that has you covered, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. Not only football games, we've got college football games coming up, bowl season, tons of prop bets for the offseason where coaches will go, where players will get drafted. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use promo code Locked on to receive 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. By the way, Matt, before we get to Bills Patriots Monday Night Football, we're not going to have a proper stock up, stock down. How about the game Darnell Savage and, and his progression in this second season in the NFL at safety for the Packers? He was huge coming downhill and tackling a guy who outweighs him by 50 pounds. All over the place. I mean, that guy is. I think he ran like a four, four flat. I mean, very, very, very good combine and it shows up. He's not the biggest, but just flies around the field, can play man coverage, can walk down the slot, can take on the big back in the running game. He's perfect for today's NFL and just use them all over the field. And he's hitting that point where his career now, where I think the game's slowing down for him and he can just attack. Yeah. And, you, you see a guy who run. I think it might have been even high four threes that he ran. Yeah, it might have been better than yeah, four Just four, yeah. crazy. And he had that play speed. I loved watching him. I, I remember seeing him in mocks before the draft in the second or third round. I was like, oh, give me that all day. And then he went round one. I was like, okay, yeah, the NFL likes this guy because <laughs> I liked him a lot coming out. But it, you, you see a guy who's a little bit smaller and crazy fast, and you think, okay, deep, free safety. But that's not really his game, more of no. a robber. And you bring him down by the line of scrimmage and let him fly around underneath, and he can erase some angles in the run game. And we're seeing sort of a new position creeping up in the NFL, and he's more of a pure safety, but guys like C.J. Gardner-Johnson from the same draft and um, even uh, Jamal Adams playing, uh, you know, Honey Badger. There's there's these roles in the NFL. Buda Baker's another one. You know, guys that can play close to the line of scrimmage, have the athleticism to play deep safety, can man up on you, can cover a running back, can cover a tight end, can cover a wide receiver, can run defend, because offenses are doing so many things and spreading it out and and heavily featuring the slot. So there's a new breed of defensive back in the NFL, and we're seeing a lot of good young athletic defensive backs that are really just chess pieces to go against the modern offenses of the NFL. Yeah, just give me speed and athleticism and old school scouts, I'm sure even still say this, but 10 years ago it would have been like, ah, he doesn't look like Derwin James or Jamal Adams. We yeah. can't put him in the box. We, he can't play close to the line of scrimmage. Now it's like, Hey, we got to chase Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I can't have slow people on my team or I got to play man coverage against Kamara or Christian McCaffrey or Darren Waller. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, Evan Ingram. I mean, every team has these guys that are just matchup problems. And I need versatile guys that I can do a lot with. And he's perfect. I mean, Who's the highest paid safety in the league right now? It's Buda Baker. You know, I mean, right. he's in that mold, but he's a little more gifted. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's fun to watch the the NFL change in really the last three years, I would say. It's changed so much. I think it was changing slowly for about a decade and then just started changing really fast. And guys like Lamar Jackson showing up, I think, had a big part of that and, and really young smart offensive coordinators that weren't afraid to do things very different than their predecessors. So uh, we're seeing that in the league, you know, get weapons, positionless football in a lot of cases on offensive and defensive sides of the ball. 
Yeah, and along those lines, you know, again, I'm going to bring this back to the Steelers, but you mentioned Lamar. You know, so many times I've heard from fans around here, well, Lamar Jackson's in the league now, especially last year when he's won the MVP and they were the best team in the division. They run the ball so much, and Lamar Jackson's in the division. The Steelers need to go get a Casey Hampton like nose tackle like they did and, and shut down that interior running game. And I'm like, Lamar Jackson could run circles around. You, you don't need Casey Hampton. You need DeForest <laughs> Buckner. You need right. guy, you know, you can't have anybody slow on the field against those guys. It's not about beef and clogging up the middle. You need 11 guys that can run. Like your Niner defensive line at least could compete with Mahomes' athleticism for much of the Super Bowl. You know, I mean, that's the style of offensive line you need to chase these guys around. Right. Your nickel is the new base, so that's the way you should be yeah. thinking about things and, and finding that nickel corner who's uh, that that new breed of player we just talked about and getting a lot of speed on the field for defensive ends in, in a lot of cases. And, you know, tough, smart football players and – uh, so yeah, it's it, Minka Fitzpatrick. I mean, that was the guy that that was the right move for the Steelers. Go get a bun, go get another Minka Fitzpatrick. Don't get a Casey Hampton. Right, exactly. Patriots Bills, the worst defeat at home in the Bill Belichick era in New England, and in fact, it was the second worst this year. The 49ers was the worst defeat, twenty seven points. This one was twenty nine points as the Bills in a rout, even playing their backup quarterback. Matt Barkley for a time. It was such a, a beat down there. Uh, tw- 38 to 9, the final score. The Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen led Buffalo Bills, uh, just proving that they're, um, they're in the class of the AFC now and a scary team that is also peaking at the right time as we approach week 17. Quick Patriot takeaway you talk about the modern NFL. I mean, it's about the passing game. They have no receivers. <laughs> I mean, like, None. I mean, tight ends, pass catchers. They have no one that scares any defense in the league. James White, Edelman. I mean, anyone, Harry, none of them are starting material for a good offense. So the quarterback situation is obviously a problem, but that is massive. And they have no pass rushers. <laughs> you know, So in this, this type of league with no pass rushers and no weapons in the passing game, it's amazing that they're at all competitive to me, to be honest with you. Buffalo's really, really good. I mean, Josh Allen's a superstar. Obviously, I think they decided they're going to send a statement to the Patriots, to the AFC East, to the league on Monday Night Football and rub this in a little bit after 20 years of getting abused by this team. And it's our division now. And that's very clear. Josh Allen, by the way, for the fantasy football season, Ended up QB1, 320 yeah. yards passing, four touchdowns. I mean, that's what we're talking about with Josh Allen, like MVP candidate. And he might, I mean, I might vote for Josh Allen even over Patrick Mahomes for MVP this year. I think but that's yeah. how important he was in the season he had with Buffalo. And and I was slow to come around on Josh Allen, but super impressed, mental toughness, what he, um, his development uh, it's just been pretty unreal there in in Buffalo. He's the real deal. And if it wasn't for, I mean, obviously, you know, Patrick Mahomes is going to get a lot of votes. I, my vote would go for Aaron Rodgers for MVP of the league. But Josh Allen's right there. He's certainly third at worst. I mean, he surpassed Russell Wilson or any running back. And I think there is a conversation. Who had the better year, Allen or Mahomes? I think that's debatable. And uh, they would have won nine in a row if it wasn't for the Hale-Murray. I mean, 
and he had more play. And he had more fantasy points than Patrick Mahomes. So uh, fantasy football players out there would would agree about him being MVP of the league. Uh, Stephon Diggs getting a true number one wide receiver. How much did that help Josh Allen in the Bills this year? Massive. I mean, and boy, is he good. I mean, he's one of I used to look at him as a uh, 10 to 15, maybe 17, 18 best receiver in the league that is loaded with receivers. He might be fourth or fifth. I mean, like right. he is a great player at all levels, consistent route runner, explosive. And he was fun to watch early in the game because there was a lot of man coverage, good, good secondary, again, no pass rush. And, you know, the Patriots kind of did a number on him early, but then he started talking trash and, you know, just showing that it's their their division now. One of the best win-win trades I think we've seen in a while, too, because Buffalo needed that presence and needed a guy like Stephon Diggs. And then for Minnesota, I mean, I would rather have Minnesota's side of that trade. Buffalo isn't upset that they made that move, but... Justin Jefferson having a stud rookie wide receiver on a rookie contract that couldn't have gone better for Minnesota either. So I love that trade for both sides. Now looking at it after a full season. Jefferson's amazing too. I mean, it did work out for both because the bills are a little more win. Now they want the veteran with the young quarterback. They had the cap space, you know, and Diggs is amazing where Jefferson, they needed the cap space. They get him on, you know, the next four years where they couldn't afford a Diggs and build around him a little bit. So, yeah, I, I don't think either team would you know, say no again. We've got some mailbag questions to get to here, Matt, and uh, I do want to get to those and talk a little bit about the 17-game schedule. But first of all, i got to say, how dare you disrespecting Gunnar Olszewski and talking about the weapons that the <laughs> right. Patriots have on offense. I mean, look at this roster. It's bad. They drafted a couple tight ends that really haven't impacted them as rookies this year to try to help out offense. And obviously, you know, uh, they love tight ends there in New England. That hasn't really worked out for them. And then Jarrett Stidham getting work here. I would imagine Stidham probably starts next week for New England. Uh, Cam Newton feels like he's not the guy there. So uh, very interesting offseason for New England with what they'll do at quarterback as well. Yeah, and that's going to be one of the most important let's fix the quarterback conversations because they actually have money. I mean, they could trade for a Stafford or a Wentz or, you know, Darnold's not going to go in division, but they could go get a veteran and get fit him under their cap. Them and the Colts both come to mind. But I think what's just as interesting is what happens to Cam? I mean, I know COVID was partially to blame, but nobody was really beating down his door last year. I mean, he was the last one. He found the last musical chair signed for, what, $2 million and didn't help his, co- his stock. So does anyone value Cam more now than they did then? Yeah, it's it's hard to envision a clear path to him getting signed as, okay, here's the starting quarterback that we're, right. we're hitching our wagon to. So that'll be extremely interesting with Cam in the offseason where he lands, if he stays in New England, if they see you know, more value like there. Right, and, and with New England, they have the cap. They could, they're going to get a whole bunch of guys. They had the most... People opt out of this season due to COVID. Uh, they have a top 15 draft pick. They could go that direction with the quarterback. They could be back into contention very quickly, depending on uh, how things go in the offseason. So, um, and you got to believe Bill Belichick, who's throwing phones on the sideline, <laughs> uh, does not stand for this losing. He's not going to be a bottom 15 team in the NFL for long. I would think not. And boy, he's the best I've ever seen do it. But he hasn't drafted so well lately. 
no, that that's that's one of the big takeaways. Long, if you, if you zoom out here on where the Patriots are right now, obviously Brady was part of it, but you start to start to see that crumble last year. The roster is bad in New England. The opt outs on top of it, they have not drafted great recently, and it's been the same wow. recipe as before with trading down, getting a bunch of picks, and they've missed on a whole bunch of picks. They haven't drafted well. No, not at all. I mean, uh, Brady overcame a lot last year, and he wasn't Superman and capable of. And it's gotten worse. And, you know, the opt-outs certainly didn't help. And, yikes. I mean, it's it's not I, – I honestly think they have a bottom five. I confidently can say that. I was going to say bottom three, two maybe, roster in the whole league. Maybe the worst after the opt-outs. And exactly. this is not a good roster at all right now in New England. So, um, all right. We'll, we'll talk more New England Patriots in the offseason, what they're going to do at quarterback and the rest of the roster. More to get to on today's show. A couple of your questions. The 17-game schedule next. Are you hitting a wall before work, after work, mid-work, before or after a workout? You can power through that wall with whether it's a mental wall or a physical wall. Break through it with Go every day. Easy to take one and a half ounce packages. It's energy, protein, B vitamins, honey, and a little kick of caffeine to get you going. And it's small, easy to carry, easy to take. Put it in your briefcase. Put it in your golf bag to power you through the back nine. Have your most focused presentation at work ever. Put it in your car. Just stick it in your pocket. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market, too. It's like having an energy drink without that same crash of this overly sugared, caffeinated beverage. Much healthier for you because it's natural and better for the body. Three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, coconut chocolate, and chocolate mint. Go to BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED, and you'll get 20% off your next order. That is promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. All right, how about this 17-game schedule that kind of came out of nowhere? The league is, no doubt, they're here to make some money. The owners are, collectively. And if they see a path to that, and maybe even using COVID as an excuse to sneak some things through, uh, they're going to do it. And what we're looking at now is, and and when it gets to this point, it's going to happen, right? We're going to have 17 games next year. And they're still trying to figure out exactly how that's going to work. They haven't officially voted on it. But they did approve the scheduling procedure, according to NFL.com, which means each team would play an extra interconference matchup. So, you know, AFC team would play an extra game against the NFC and vice versa based on divisional standings from the preceding season and on a rotating divisional basis. So that's what the 17th game will be. Uh, And a shorter preseason means a win for making money for the league and a win for the fans. And now it's up to the players to say, okay, wait a second. Now where's our piece of this pie with the cap going down? And now we're going to play an extra regular season game. Uh, What gives here? So this will be an interesting give and take and and be collectively bargained, but obviously a way for the league to make some more money now after uh, COVID has hit the league pretty hard in the pocketbook. Yeah, I, I might take more time of our pod during this than we probably should a lot for it. So my apologies ahead of time for your questions. They don't get in. I think there's a lot to unpeel. And first of all, my biggest concern for the NFL and the product of a whole as a whole is the salary cap going down dramatically next year, or you know, a lot of good football players getting cut. Like the Eagles are cutting Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham. I mean, like that's not good for the game. Right. And I fear that's a possibility. I think cooler heads will prevail. They won't kill the golden goose, but. 
in general, this is a moneymaker for the TV deals. We're going to give you more regular season football. You're going to give us more money to put our product on CBS, Fox, whatever. So good. Um, I think this COVID mess, you know, showed us that four preseason games is a little ridiculous. You know, like we, we managed without any. That doesn't mean that should be the way, but two is fine. And I've always felt bad for the season ticket holders that pay the same for a preseason game and they have to buy two of them Terrible. as they do yeah. for a week 10 game. Like that's just robbery. But if it's one, okay, everyone's excited to see the team back. They'll go for their one home game. Um, a couple notes that, that I would change are, I, I think you mentioned that that 17th game will be against another team in another conference, right? Yes, yeah, it'll be a rotating division that you're going to play from the other conference that is that finished in the same spot as you. So, you know, the third team, third place team in the AFC East will play the third place team from the NFC North. See, but I love that idea. But what I would do is every year the East would play the East, the North would play the North. So oh, yeah. you might actually you might get somewhat of a rivalry. You know what I mean? Like yes. If the Ravens and Packers are the best teams in the North for 10 years straight, they'd probably play each other like eight or nine ten times out of 10. And that would become a fun rivalry in a similar area of the country. You know what I mean? I mean, and, and even just lock in the one. Like, how cool would Jets-Giants be every year? Or 49ers-Raiders has been a pretty right. big rivalry. That That's a great point, having those regional rivalries from the other conference, a team that you maybe might play once every four years. You get to play them every year or every other year. I don't want to throw you know, water on that idea because I've talked about that before. And a friend of mine around here actually went and did it, you know, to pick one rivalry game from the other conference for every team. And it works great for New York, New York, LA, LA, you know, uh, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, even, but then you get like past the top five or six and they're not natural rivalries at all. Like it's a lot harder than you think. I mean, it's easy to come up with six or seven, but not 16. But the idea of if the first place team in the North plays the first place team in the North and the second place team plays the second place team, I think that would be fun because it'd still be sort of same areas of the country. You might get a lot of overlap where you get Rogers versus Ben. I and mean, if we'd have done it the last 10 years, maybe we'd have seen Rogers versus Ben seven out of 10 years. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like right. that'd have been great. That would have been awesome and, for the league. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And my other suggestion and I don't think it's fair to the players unless you do it this way, but I don't think the NFL will care enough to do it. If you're going to ask them to play a 17th regular season game, I think you have to incorporate two bye weeks. I mean, if you're going to pull, I would pull two preseason games out of the equation add a regular season game and add a bye week. And yeah. you'd never have a Thursday game on a super short week. You can incorporate a bye week that way. You could spread them out, even if you have one in week three and week 14. I think you have to give these guys two weeks off. That's the big thing that jumps out to me immediately is we already have half the league not able to play 16 games. There's going to be more injuries with the 17th game tacked on. So they've got to figure out a, a health way to make the product on the field good for 17 games, which is keeping players as healthy as possible, which to me would mean an extra bye week is a must there. So, yeah, you're lopping off two preseason weeks, add a regular season game, and a bye week for every team. Start the season where 
the preseason week three would have began. Give you plenty of time there to have two bye weeks. I think you have to do it that way because player safety, uh, if this league is serious about player safety, you had a 17th game. I mean, it was crazy how many players are missing games this year. And you have to have that second bye week to me. Yeah. And if something like COVID were hit again, you could manipulate things even easier with that or, there, this year didn't obviously apply, but they've always talked about more international games. You have to have bye weeks baked into those. And again, I really have a problem with playing Sunday and then Thursday. I mean, somebody smarter than me could come up with a system where if you're playing Thursday, there's a good chance it's coming off a bye. You know, I mean, so I think that's the way to do it, even if it means, you know, buys starting week three and going all the way to week 14. But, um, you know, someone smarter than me could come up with it, but I think the players deserve that. On that note, with player safety and how they work the 17th game, 17 game schedule in the NFL going forward, uh, we have a question. We have to get to one question here. We'll go to Dave, whose question is about the offseason leading up to that. Wondering about your thoughts on the talk by the players union to replicate this past offseason in terms of canceling OTAs, reducing training camp. To me, it seems that those cutbacks in part have led to all the injuries this year. What are your thoughts there, Matt, on, on this offseason? Again, COVID will be a problem in the spring potentially, and hopefully it's not a problem in the summer and when training camp gets going and, and vaccinations happen. But uh, player safety practicing less, does that help? Does that hinder? There's been more injuries than ever on top of COVID, it seems like, this year, and I would think that less activity in the offseason led to that. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm trying to be as impartial on this as I possibly can. Because it feels like, especially the first month of every regular season, and I've been in the media now for, what, 16 years, it always seems like I get asked, why are there more injuries this year than ever? Before anyone had ever heard of COVID. It just, I think there's a recency bias with that. And I'm sure someone has done a study, how many games lost have there been this year, non-COVID related compared to others? Is it higher than usual? Or is it just because... I drafted Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley with the first two picks in fantasy (laughs) and it hits home and it's not a guard or a defensive tackle. I don't know if there's more injuries. I wish I knew more about sports science and strength and conditioning because I think it's way better now than ever. You know, the old school guys be like, you got to practice more. You got to bang the sled. You got to do Oklahoma drills to get ready for football. But the sports science people say, no, less is better, you know? So I don't know that answer, nor am I qualified to really answer it. But I feel like I ask, I answer it every year, not just COVID year. I remember you saying that before, and that, that's a great point. It always feels like when it's happening, it's the most ever. And depending on which team you, mm-hmm. you follow, there might be more that year than there was the year before. And, and maybe your team kind of skated through and your team skates through with less injuries. You don't really think about that. So that's an interesting point there. And the players union does have some bargaining to do, whether it's how much practice time happens or, you know, how much they'll get paid for that 17th game. If the league is able to borrow from future years caps with a new TV deal coming in 2022 and an extra game, can they take some of that money, add it to the cap instead in 2021? So the cap doesn't fall as much. So we don't see some of those players, like you mentioned, Flexer Cox getting yeah. cut. Like we, we don't need to see that in the league. And a lot of free agents out there are going to say, wait a second, what I have to take a, you know, half as much for a one year deal this year now. So 
there's going to be a lot of give and take and a lot of bargaining to happen. And right now, the players look like they're going to get the short end of the stick on on just about all of these points. So uh, they need to be able to bargain something for themselves for both health and a little bit of money with what's going on with the salary cap and what's going on with games and practices in the NFL. So a lot to play out, obviously, in 2021. Last note, I just kind of thought of this, too. Like, if I'm a player... People might not know this, but the players get a check every Monday. So if you make $17 million a year and you're on the active roster for 17 weeks, including your buy, you get a million minus taxes or whatever every Monday. Well, if I'm going to be on the roster for 19 weeks with two buys and 17 games, I want 19 million to do that. Same thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I still want a million a week, you know? Oh, that is a great point when you think about it that way. Like, you don't want your paycheck to go down. Right, right. I mean, why should I get eight fifty a week because we have more, because I have to do more this week, this year. Very interesting. Okay, a lot of fun stuff to talk about this offseason. Out of time today. Appreciate all the questions that we get every week. We weren't able to get a lot of them today, but we'll try to hit as many as we can throughout the weeks, and we'll have a ton more to talk about and, and do a ton of mailbags in the offseason with fewer games to cover and the playoffs. So keep those coming to me at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL, and we'll be back tomorrow. we got to start breaking down Week 17, getting ready for some no-name quarterbacks and some games that will decide who will be in the tourney to start 2021. Right here, Peacock and Williamson.